From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good evening. I hope you had a fantastic weekend and welcome to this Monday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior advisor to the president here at the Family Research Council and extremely honored to be filling in this evening for Tony, who's traveling. He'll be back tomorrow. Deeply grateful also for your presence here as we've got a lot to cover on this edition of the program. So let me share some of the highlights. First of all, We all grieved over the weekend as we saw violence in Texas over the weekend as a gunman killed at least eight people in a mall just outside of Dallas. Today is a tragic day for the city of Allen. Our citizens, our friends, and visitors who are at the Allen Premium Outlets today. We are a strong and caring community, and we all want the victims and their families impacted by this tragedy to know that we will wrap our arms around you, and we are here for you. Very moving. That was Allen, Texas Mayor Ken Folk during a press conference on Saturday night. Here's the question, though. What's behind the uptick of all the violence that's taking place in our country, and how do we really address it? Congressman Tim Burchett and I will be talking about that here in just a few moments. And then a little bit later, I'll be joined by Bishop Charles Flowers from San Antonio, Texas, to talk about the spirit of death. Literally, that seems to be spreading all across our nation. And he'll tell us about what happened in his city over the weekend when voters there squashed a measure that was intended to decriminalize abortion. uh, And it would have also increased crime. We'll discuss that here in a few moments. And speaking of lawlessness, well, friends, we can expect even more of it on the southern border this week when Title 42 expires. Homeland Security uh, Secretary uh, Alejandro Mayorkas had this to say about it. We've been preparing uh, for this for quite some time. We tried to end Title 42 repeatedly and were, Mm -hmm. were stopped from doing so by the courts. So we are prepared. We are prepared. All right, friends, I hope you feel all uh, much better about that. We'll be discussing that further here in just a few moments with Congressman Randy Weber from Texas. And then uh, as a spirit of lawlessness, as a spirit of death running rampant across our nation, is there anything that we can do about it? Well, friends, the answer is yes. Tonight, with all that is happening in the nation around us, our hearts are burdened. But we have a solution, and we can pray. And tonight we're going to be praying for our nation. We're going to be praying for every aspect of our nation. That was our very own President Tony Perkins at the National Day of Prayer last week that was held uh, from Family Research Council's Faith and Freedom Chapel. Uh, We'll be discussing the power of prayer and how you can watch that specific event that took place last Thursday uh, this evening. Uh, We'll be joined by Troy Miller. He's the president and CEO of NRB TV and the National Religious Broadcaster. So we've got a lot to cover this evening. Thank you for joining us. And just a reminder, our website is TonyPerkins.com, where you can not only catch this episode, if you happen to miss any portion of it, but also archives from other programs as well. So be sure to keep that website handy. That, again, is TonyPerkins.com. All right, let's jump into the program for tonight. As we discuss, a gunman opened fire in a suburban Dallas mall on Saturday, killing at least eight and making 
the making the uh, the event the third mass violence event in Texas in the last 10 days. Unbelievable, friends. We need to be praying for our friends there in Texas. Uh, the left, on the other hand, again is trying to blame the instruments of death. So they're going after the guns. But as Christians, we know that evil exists in our world. We know that there is a remedy for our nation, and that remedy is not going to be found simply in gun control. We've got to go to the heart of the issue, which is the heart of mankind, mankind which is turned away from the Lord. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is U.S. Representative Tim Burchett. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability, also the Foreign Affairs Committee, and the Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure. He represents the 2nd Congressional District of Tennessee. Congressman Burchett, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me, brother. Always good to see you. All right, listen, uh, we've got a spirit of violence that is just running rampant, lawlessness running across our country. Give me your initial reflections on what's going on. Well, I, I, when the last shooting, the one that occurred in Tennessee, I stepped off the House floor and I was interviewed and I said, this country needs revival. And um, of course, I was mocked by the national media and across the country and maybe across the globe. I don't know, but I, I still stand by that. There is incredible evil in this world. And, you know, we've, um, we kicked God out of the public places and it's just, uh, we're sick at our soul. Preachers aren't preaching the gospel anymore. And, and really, I mean, we've got a breakdown of the family unit. Um, we have where we're trying to treat everything with a chemical and we really, um, I think we need to get back to which something you alluded to earlier in your introduction. We need to get back to um, to the basics, and that is that is the gospel. And unfortunately, that's that doesn't seem to be the national media's um, agenda right now. No, it's not, and frankly, uh, it never has been, it never will be. But we no. have got to lead the way in this, and I'm so grateful for you, Tim, because you have definitely been been leading the charge on on this issue and the the call to return to God in prayer and repentance and so forth. But while you're doing that, and I want to get to that in just a moment, but at the same time, we are watching a continual effort by the left to distract from what you and I know to be the heart of the issue. Uh, Texas State Senator Roland Gutierrez, uh, for example, a Democrat, uh, is putting the blame on uh, Texas Republicans, like his own governor, Governor Abbott. In fact, here's sure. what he had to say on CNN's State of the Union. I want to play this and get your reaction. It's just a sad state of affairs that we're living in. This is not the Texas miracle that Greg Abbott likes to call it. We're living in a Texas nightmare, and it's a nightmare that they created. It's the chaos that they created. So they created it. I'm assuming here he's talking about Republicans, Uh uh, Congressman, guns have been around for hundreds of years. They've been around for hundreds of years here in America. Uh, it's just now that we're seeing a change, a, a, a surge of violence. So it's not the guns. They've been around forever. What, give me your reaction to that. Well, it's an easy scapegoat. You know, they, they're blaming it on us, as you remember, when, as, uh, when, you, when you left us in Congress, the, the Democrats had the, uh, had the White House, the Senate, and the— um, and the House of Representatives, yet they uh, 
apparently it, that that was not the issue back then, and now it is. And the press, like the lapdogs that they are, the the uh, legacy media, if you will, um, has decided that that we are in fact the enemy, and uh, and they couldn't be any any further from the truth. If you remember, we tried to pass a bill. I know Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee had a bill that was going to put the funds so that these that we, we would put uh, um, officers in the schools. We do that pretty much in Tennessee, but the um, uh, they blocked it. And basically, and the president, I think his, his direct quote was, we're coming after the guns. And that that's their issue. And it's an election year coming up on a presidential election. They have a weak candidate. And um, and that's what they're going to go for. And that's, um, you know, symbolism. It's what sells. And, um, you know, and it's hard to even get your story out. And we lose. I'm not it, it, these these murders are, are just horrible. And that's what they are. They are murders. We lose a. A hundred people a day in automobile accidents. Every thirty-nine minutes, we lose somebody to a drunk driver. Yet nobody's wanting to take alcohol or cars away from people. And um, uh, so it, it's um, to me that it's pretty telling about what's going on. And, and the Democrats use symbols very well. Well, you bring up a really good point. And, and by the way, is somewhere depending on the statistics you're looking at, but as many as three thousand a day we are seeing lost in the womb. To abortion, yeah. but you bring up a great point about you know while the left continues to go after the instruments, primarily guns, as the problem, as we saw in Brownsville uh, just over the weekend as well. A man with murder in his heart uses his vehicle to attack others. Uh, no cries to eliminate doy with SUVs, right? No, and and two, I think it, it focuses too on our mental health um, situation in this country. I'm. Um, we have uh, somehow we uh, we've developed this crisis, and you said it earlier. You know, all of a sudden, we've had these firearms in possession. Granted, you know they always want to say the AR or AR type, and they don't even know what AR stands for, and they don't know what an AR type is. And if you remember, the Justice Department um, outlawed so sales or whatever of so-called assault re- weapons, and they really couldn't get a good definition of that. But we didn't. We didn't see any statistical change pretty much during that time. And the Justice Department came to, to uh, and, and basically said, you're not it does. It's not reducing death. And um, I go back to Timothy McVeigh, what a horrible human he was. And he, he blew up people in the Murray um, down in Oklahoma, the Murray Federal Building. And, you know, he used ammonium nitrate and diesel fuel. And they tried to regulate ammonium nitrate, which is just a fertilizer. Uh, made from nitrogen, you can buy it at any any um, outlet store or anywhere without a permit or anything. Yet he used that, and so you're right. Murder is uh, evil is in their heart, and and they play that down. It's just it, to me, it's just it's just mind boggling that they're allowed to get by with that line of thought. But the reality is, they're going to yell at you in the media, and they're going to shout you down, and they're, um, you know, I'm afraid we're going to see more of this. Yeah, and and something you brought up. In fact, I want to play another clip, clip nine, if we can pull this up. Here's uh, your colleague, Henry Cuellar, uh, was on Fox News yesterday, Sunday, and uh, here's what he had to say. And if people talk about just, you know, making the law stricter, uh, you got to look at, you know, in, in states that are blue, very strict laws, you still get this type of mass shooting. So it does happen across the nation, and we have to get to the bottom of this. 
There you go. I mean, he I don't know if he's intentionally getting there or not, but he is getting to the issue. We have got to the, get to the bottom of the problem, which is not guns. The, the, we, we have a spiritual problem in this country. Rather than putting a Band-Aid on a bunch of symptoms, how can we address uh, the, the issues of our, nature, our, our nation, uh, the, the root of the spirit of lawlessness, if we can put it that way? How do we address this? Well, I think if you look at, at murders in general, and you could probably draw some statistical inference there um, as well. You, you know, we um, we've talked about people under psychiatric care and things like that, and, and taking certain medications. Yet every time you bring that up, you're con- you're called a conspiracy theorist. And frankly, we're seeing that. We're you know you've you've seen those numbers as well as I have. So I, I think we you know if we could just tone down the rhetoric a little bit and start talking about the facts and who are these people? Why are they doing it? And, and in fact, how are they able to get handguns or guns? You know, in Chicago, we lose, what is it? It's already lost uh, over, I think 2000 shootings this year and nobody's bringing up Chicago and that's all with handguns. Um, yep. And so, and so I just think that there's a lot of numbers being thrown around and, um, and they're not accurate. It's a horrible, horrible situation. Nobody should be put in that situation. And these people are are criminals and murderers. But they broke the law. And there's already there's over twenty thousand gun laws on the books. You take state, federal, and local already. And um, I don't know that we're making a dent in it. It's we're talking about the human condition and the hearts of these people. And that's that's really what Congressman, we're at. We're going to have to leave it there. Got to go, Congressman Tim Burchett. Thank you so Thanks, much Jody. for joining us. Good. All right, friends, coming up, Title 42 expires this Thursday. The Biden administration is rudderless, but saying they've got it under control. Stay tuned. Everything we do begins as an idea. Before there can be acts of courage, there must be the belief that some things are worth sacrificing for. Before there can be marriage, there is the idea that man should not be alone. Before there was freedom, there was the idea that individuals are created equal. It's true that all ideas have consequences, but we're less aware that all consequences are the fruit of ideas. Before there was murder, there was hate. Before there was a holocaust, there was the belief by some people that other people are undesirable. Our beliefs determine our behavior, and our beliefs about life's biggest questions determine our worldview. Where did I come from? Who decides what is right and wrong? What happens when I die? Our answers to these questions explain why people see the world so differently. Debates about abortion are really disagreements about where life gets its value. 
Debates over sexuality and gender and marriage are really disagreements about whether the rules are made by us or for us. What we think of as political debates are often much more than that. They're disagreements about the purpose of our lives and the source of truth. As Christians, our goal must be to think biblically about everything. Our goal is to help you see beyond red and blue, left and right, to see the battle of ideas at the root of it all. Our goal is to equip Christians with a biblical worldview and help them advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square. Cultural renewal doesn't begin with campaigns and elections. It begins with individuals turning from lies to truth. But that won't happen if people can't recognize a lie and don't believe truth exists. We want to help you see the spiritual war behind the political war, the truth claims behind the press release, and the forest and the trees. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, your host. Honored to have you with us this evening. All right. Uh, listen, we've got an 11th hour. Uh, we're coming down to it, and frankly, unless there's an 11th hour legal challenge, Title 42 is going to expire this coming Thursday. And, uh, friends, we'll get into this for those of you who may not know what Title 42 is. But, uh, listen, when that expires, we are going to have a surge even more than what we've already experienced, of migrants coming across the border, tens and tens and tens of thousands. In fact, there are already three Texas cities that have declared a state of emergency, just bracing for the continued immigration surge that is already begun under the Biden administration. But given the absolute mismanagement of this administration's chaotic southern border policy, uh, what can we expect later this week? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is U.S. Representative Randy Weber. He serves on the Committee of, uh, on Energy and Commerce and the Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. He represents the 14th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Weber, welcome to Washington Watch. Good to see you, my friend. Good to be here. Thanks, Jody. We appreciate what y'all do. Well, listen, likewise, we're all in this thing together. Uh, look, uh, you and I, we've all seen it. There's been a massive surge in, in chaos, quite frankly, as to what's happened across the border since the Biden administration took over. Uh, but looking at cities like El Paso, uh, absolutely overwhelmed by the chaos. And now Title 42 is about to expire. Uh, what are you expecting to take place beginning this Friday? Well, as you well know, 10,000 illegals are projected to enter a day, every day, once he really, he, they, they cancel Title 42 and Title 42. And for those who may not know, I was on, in the State House, I was on the Public Education Committee, and Texas has, uh, now it has about 5.5 million students, and it has about 1,100 school districts. If you did the math simple, Jody, if you said it has 5 million students in 1,000 school districts, the average school district is 5,000 K through 12 kids. When you've got 10,000 a day, that's seven, uh, I'm sorry, 70,000 a week. And that is uh, basically almost seven complete school districts. If you just took, well, if you took a fourth of that, actually. Uh, let's just say it was 15,000. It's three complete school districts a week multiplied times four. It is 12 complete school districts a month. 
somebody has to pay to educate, not to mention drugs, not to mention the terrorists that have come across AD captured that we know about, all the fentanyl. I mean, you can't take this stuff. You can't make this stuff up. And the Biden administration is totally, solely responsible for this. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. And, of course, Title 42 is is for health reasons with COVID and all that kind of stuff, gave us some capacity to deal with this and not to allow some of these people to come into our country. I played this a little bit earlier. I want to I want to play this clip again and get your reaction to it. This is Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas claiming that they're all prepared. Here's what he had to say. We've been preparing uh, for this for quite some time. We tried to end Title 42 repeatedly and mm-hmm. were, were stopped from doing so by the courts. So we are prepared. We're prepared. They, they haven't been prepared the entire time they've been in, uh, in power here. How do you respond to this, Congressman? Well, Jody, now give this guy a break. They, they don't need to be prepared because they have operational control. Don't you oh, yeah. know he said? Yeah, he, he did say that, too. I'm like, you can't, I want, I don't know what this guy's drinking. He's drinking the Kool-Aid from the far left is what he's drinking. And of course, as you know, there's a move to impeach him because he's not protecting America. Uh, he's not protecting our borders. I don't know how they can say these things with a straight face. You know, uh, HR2, we would love to send some troops down. We've got a bill that would get more money to the Border Patrol. And now you're hearing Biden, by the way, talk about sending, what is it, 1,400 troops down there? If you think back with me, Jody, uh, Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris, when Trump sent troops down there, oh, man, she started crying the blues. And they're going to send a meager 1,400 troops down there to stop 10,000 a day coming across? That they're just—they're uh, off—I can't tell you how crazy they are if they think yeah, we got opportunity. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And and as you talk about them sending 1,400 troops, 1,500, whatever it may be, we're actually seeing in Texas, Governor Abbott taking steps to get prepared uh, for the coming surge. How how are your thoughts on how the governor's doing? Well, he's doing great. You know, he's sending people, he's sending immigrants to other cities. And you're actually seeing mayors from other cities saying, stop the flow, stop the flow. We can't take this anymore. And I'm like, really? So New York City, just name the cities, Washington, D.C., whoever, they're getting, I don't know, they, let's say they got five busloads and they got 500 or 1,000 illegals. Texas, we're coming across the southern border, and Texas has almost two-thirds of the border with, with, uh, in the United States with Mexico, as you know, and we're getting thousands, tens of thousands a day projected, and they're worried about 500 here, 500 there. They're learning what it is to be a border city. Isn't it funny, Jody? These cities call themselves a sanctuary city. <laughs> but when they get illegals showing up in their city, we find out. It's- That's right. That's exactly right. And it's a totally different picture when it starts uh, knocking close to their door. All right, you and I both, we've been to the border. Uh, you've been to the border many times. I've been there uh, to every sector myself. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, how would you describe did we get into this mess? How did the Biden administration let things get so out of control? He hung out the open for business from day one. He's, he had literally hung out the open for business sign from day one. Uh, we don't have operation control of the border. If they'd have stuck with Trump's policies, all President Biden, really, quite frankly, if you look back on it, all President Biden had to do about border control was basically zero for the time being, leave President Trump's policies intact. Make them stay across the border if they want to apply for asylum. 
And as you know, asylum is supposed to be for when you either one, you're persecuted by your government, you're persecuted for your race or religion, uh, or you're persecuted for belonging to an ethnic group. You can you can ask for asylum in the United States. Make those embassies in those countries, where it's El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Honduras, whoever it is, and even more, Venezuela, make them do the research on whether they're being persecuted because they know those areas down there. We don't know those areas down there. And all, all Biden had to do was leave it alone, and we would have been in a lot better shape. Congressman Randy Weber, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Thank you for your great leadership in Congress. Thank you, Jody. Appreciate y'all. Likewise. All right, friends, a lot to do is going to be unfolding on the border later this week. All right, when we come back, we're all aware of the cancel culture underway, uh, but we have some Christian outlets proclaiming a biblical worldview. We'll discuss more of that with Troy Miller right after this break. All of us are born with the desire to find truth and meaning. Where did I come from? What happens when I die? While our answers to these questions may divide us, we are united in our need for the freedom to answer life's biggest questions and make life's biggest decisions for ourselves. That's why religious freedom matters for everyone. Religious freedom matters because the powerful have long wanted to control those who are less powerful. Religious freedom matters because the freedom of those who are different is often threatened by those who believe different is dangerous. Leah Sherabu, a Christian teenager in Nigeria, remains a captive of Boko Haram for her refusal to renounce her Christian faith. Chinese pastor Wang Yi is serving a nine-year sentence for speaking publicly against the Chinese government. All of this because people in power decided different is dangerous. At the Center for Religious Liberty at Family Research Council, we promote religious freedom for everyone because the only alternative is religious freedom for no one. We encourage Americans and the American government to engage and advocate for the persecuted, and they do. We work every day to bring good news to the afflicted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. We do it because that's what Jesus does. We work to give freedom to others because we ourselves have been set free. Washington Watch, glad to have you joining us on this Monday edition. I'm Jody Heischer, host, and we're honored to be sitting in this evening for Tony. I had the distinct privilege uh, last week uh, to spend it in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where the Family Research Council dedicated its wonderful new facility. And part of that is the Faith and Freedom Chapel. And there in the chapel last Thursday, we hosted an event for the National Day of Prayer. Of course, we know that Jesus told us in Luke 18 that we need to pray always and not to lose heart. And folks, never more has that been more important than it is now. But our National Day of Prayer event gave us yet another opportunity to look to the Lord in these critical times in which we're living. And now, tonight, you will be able to watch that event that we held 
from our new facility at 9 o'clock this evening on uh, NRB TV. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Troy Miller. He is the president and CEO of NRB, uh, NRB TV and also the National Religious Broadcasters. Troy, uh, welcome to the program. Glad to have you. Hey, Jody. Thank you. Thanks for having me tonight. Well, listen, it's our privilege. And first of all, I want to say thank you for hosting tonight's telecast of the National Day of Prayer service on NRB TV. Uh, and so with that, let's just segue into it. Why is this type of programming so important to Christian viewers? Why do we need this? Well, I think it's important because I think prayer is important. You know, all the issues that our country is going through today, and, and we've just seen a number around of mass shootings and other things that are going on, you know, really the lack of prayer um, is, in my opinion, one of the sources of that. People are looking for hope, and society's trying to take hope out of their hands over and over again. We just see that in, in across, especially with government uh, intervention here, prayer out of schools, prayer out of city council meetings, prayer has been taken out of most of the public sector. But yet, I said this before, you know, every time I've run into somebody who's had an issue and I say, can I pray for you? I've never had anybody turn me down. So this kind of programming is really important. People need to know that people are out there praying for our country and that people in government are still there praying for our country. So we're so happy to host this event tonight. As you said, it's at 9 p.m. Eastern on the NRB TV network. Uh, you can go to nrbtv.org and it'll list all the ways you can watch that, or you can just live stream it right there from the website. And I encourage people to do that. And uh, Troy, I think you hit it right on the head, what you were talking about. I mean, look, we, we are living in dark times. These are difficult days in which we're living. Uh, a, just a, an overwhelming uh, embracing of the culture of death, uh, of violence, and at the same time, canceling uh, the Christian voice uh, and conservative voice, for that matter. And we need hope in this world, as you just talked about. And in the in the light of the darkness we're living in and the hope that is so greatly needed uh, in our country, as well as the entire world, Christian broadcasting is one avenue uh, to to bring that forth. So uh, just uh, explain to our viewers and our listeners the role that you see that Christian broadcast plays in the work to be done by the body of Christ. Well, Christian broadcasting in, in general, as you said, is so important, whether it's Christian radio or Christian television or today podcasters or, or video bloggers, uh, whatever it is, they, they really are the folks that get the message out there. They're, they're the place where people can tune in and they can really find encouragement. Uh, they can find um, uh, uh, a better, deeper understanding of scripture. They can also find out the truth of what's going on in the culture. And not only that, Jody, as we were up on Capitol Hill recently working on some legislation that, that was really going to affect Christian broadcasters, we reminded lawmakers that Christian broadcasting isn't just about all the programming they do, and the programming is fabulous and important, but Christian broadcasters play a really critical local role as well. Oftentimes, they're doing food drives, they're doing uh, shelter drives for the homeless, they're helping out with uh, local disaster recovery. I don't think people realize how integrated and how deep the, the Christian community and the community of evangelicals really is in helping people out. We're often the first ones there when a disaster hits, and Christian radio is critical to getting those messages out. 
I think that's an excellent point. And, and the Christian radio and television also is creating good citizens, people who respect authority, who obey the law, who have an internal sense and understanding, a compass of moral right and wrong. And you play a role in all of that. We've got about a minute and a half left here, but you guys have your own convention, your own event coming up uh, here later this month. Can you give us a brief rundown on that? Sure. Just two weeks from today, on May 22nd, the National Religious Broadcasters Annual Convention will kick off. It's the largest gathering of Christian communicators, folks that are in Christian media, whether it's television, radio, program production, uh, authors, uh, bloggers, podcasters, you name it, filmmakers. They'll all be there under one roof, nearly 4,000 people. We'll talk about a lot of these issues that you brought up here. We're going to talk about gender confusion, the cancel culture. We're going to talk about the regulatory oversight. We'll have a number of folks. Uh, Franklin Graham is going to kick us off uh, Monday night. He's going to talk about how important it is for the church today to really stand firm when the when the rest of culture and a lot of the church, unfortunately, the liberal church, the sands are shifting underneath them. So that's that's May 22nd. Still time. Go to nrbconvention.org. We'd love to have you there. Well, thank you so much. And one more time, Troy, how can people join in on the national prayer event uh, that we did? last week. Sure. Again, 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Go to nrbtv.org and click on schedule or just click on watch now and you can join in. Thank you so much, Troy Miller, president and CEO of NRB TV and the National Religious Broadcasters. God bless you. Thank you for joining us this evening. God bless you and all the work you do. Thank you so much. All right, friends, stay tuned. We've got more to discuss on Washington Watch, and we will do so right after this break. Stay tuned. It begins here, and here, and here, every day. Before you stand, you need solid ground. Standing in a culture that wants you to surrender the truth won't work unless you have a firm foundation. At Family Research Council, we have that firm foundation, and you can find us standing. We stand for the value of all human life. We stand for the right of families to flourish. And every day, we stand for your freedom to believe and to live out those beliefs both at home and abroad. We work with government officials, educating them on the issues from a biblical worldview. And when necessary, we hold them accountable. We equip Christians across America to be informed and to take action in their communities. With our daily radio program, television appearances, and vast online presence, we reach people where they are. We envision an America where all human life is valued, families flourish, and religious liberty thrives. And that won't be realized if we're not standing. Stand for faith. Stand for family. Stand for freedom. Stand with us at FRC. I'm often asked by people, Tony, how do you stay encouraged? How do you deal with all of the stuff in Washington, D.C., the negative policies that are attacking our faith, our family, and our freedoms? Well, you want me to let you in on the secret? 
It's called the Word of God. And that is why the Family Research Council embarked on Stand on the Word, a two-year journey through the Bible. It's a chronological Bible reading plan with just 10 to 15 minutes a day. In two years, you will have covered the entire Bible. And to go along with this, Monday through Friday, I do a morning devotional that goes along with the reading of the day. It's all designed to encourage you on this journey because the Word of God, as the psalmist said, in my affliction, here's my comfort. Your Word gives me life. That is our source of strength. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com or FRC.org slash Bible. And I invite you to join me every morning for our Stand on the Word Bible Devotion. This fall, believers from across America will gather in our nation's capital. We'll hear from government leaders, policy experts, and leading Christian voices, learning how we can engage in government at every level, from local school boards to state legislatures to Congress and even the White House, to win back the soul of our nation. Join with us for the Pray, Vote, Stand Summit, Believe and Engage, September 15th through 17th. Register now at PrayVoteStand.org. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heitz, your host. And before we jump into our next guest, let me just remind you that we are less than a month away from our Stand Courageous Men's Conference. It will be held in Houston, Texas this year. I encourage you to join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Uh, General Jerry Boykin will be there. There will be a host of dynamic speakers. It's going to be on Saturday, June the 3rd at Houston's First Baptist Church. You can find out more information by going to StandCourageous.com. Friends, I'm telling you, this is an event you don't want to miss. You may want to help get some others to attend it as well. It's a men's conference, a powerful one. Go to StandCourageous.com for more information. All right, we've been discussing throughout the program this evening the spirit of lawlessness that we're experiencing all throughout our country. We've been talking about that a good bit, but on Saturday... In San Antonio this past week, voters emphatically rejected what, it, what was Proposition 8. Some were calling it the San Antonio Justice Charter. Uh, but they rejected Prop 8 by more than 70% of the vote. It was a resounding rejection. Now, Prop 8 would have decriminalized marijuana possession, uh, abortion. Uh, it, it, it just had a host of left-wing things that were all over this. And it is amazing just how resoundingly the citizens rejected it. That plays, uh, I, th- this thing had, had things in it that <clears throat> would have hampered law enforcement from doing their job. I mean, it was just all sorts of things that would have made lawlessness even worse. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Bishop Charles Flowers. He's the senior pastor of Faith Outreach Center International and founder of San Antonio in Black, White, and Brown. Uh, Bishop Flowers, welcome to Washington Watch. We're honored to have you this evening. It is always a privilege to be with you. Thank you for having me. Well, you bet. All right, let's. Uh, we've got to talk about Prop Eight. Uh, give me your. This was a, this was a huge thing. I I don't know what what you and others were expecting, but not only was this defeated, it was so overwhelming. Yes, it's called Prop A A as an Alpha, 
uh, and it, it had it, it included a lot of detrimental things to the community of San, San Antonio. You cited some of them at the beginning. Uh, $750 uh, per person would only uh, for theft of goods and services would only get a citation. And that citation, by the way, was not something that would be cataloged against the offender. So I could go take $750 out of a store on Friday. They give me a citation. Don't put my name down. Don't trace it. Just once the citation is issued, that's the end of the deal. So I can go back Saturday and do the same thing. And there was no limitation on how many citations I could get. If I take nine of my friends with me, we can get $7,500 of, of, of goods and services out of a restaurant or out of a department store. And as a result, when the business community got news of this, they just rightfully so um, just became very irate about the city's attempt to do this to the business community and without letting them know, because there are some coordination, as you know, in most major municipalities between the business community and city government, but they did this without letting them know. And I say they, uh, the city, with, these ordinances are not written by people at city-level government. They're written by uh, federal organizations like the Human Rights Campaign that have targeted the nation through conquering cities. Uh, there's a lot, oh, over 100,000 cities in the U.S., cities and small towns, but only about 1,000 of them will house somewhere near 80% of the population. So they, they target these 1,000-plus cities with these ordinances and ideas and you got 80% of the nation persuaded, at least from a legal wow. standpoint. Wow. So so why are these cities buying into this? I mean, you know, I, I suppose we hear it all the time, but we're literally watching it right now that common sense is totally gone anymore. How do these city elected officials take this outside proposal and somehow think either it's a good idea or for whatever other reason, they buy into it. What do you think is going on that continually we're just chipping away at the foundations of our country like this? Why do you think it's happening? Passivity is a vicious beast. Uh, all it takes for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. For example, we just went through an election here in our city. There's uh, a million thirty thousand registered voters in the San Antonio and the city limits. 15% of them came out to vote, 15%. That means 85% of them were captured by their own passivity. And they've considered, you know, that this is somebody else's challenge, somebody else's game, and they don't want to be a part of it, and therefore they sit out the process uh, of their civil responsibilities. When they do that, it allows a very small number of very active people to set the pace for how everyone else will live. For example, if Prop A had passed, that that would have meant that 15% of the voting population would have determined what the environment, the social and economic environment would be like in our city for a million people, 15% of them. So wow. passivity is what we're, we're eating the fruit of our own passivity in this nation. Now, while those statistics stand that way in San Antonio, they are repeated over and over again in cities across America. So it's not until we wake up to our civil responsibility to take our common sense. I told the people during this campaign that the judgment, really the judgment of the Lord for the community of faith is at the end of your finger. When you hit that for or against button, 
you're executing judgment against or for whatever the ordinance is before us. And uh, thankfully, they moved uh, in in the direction to soundly uh, put down Prop 8. Yes, soundly is the word, and uh, extremely well said how you just unfolded that for us. And you've been right in the middle of all this. You've been one of the leaders uh, for all of this, and you have been one who has consistently called for a moral and spiritual awakening in our country and for Christians to turn to the Lord in times of crisis, which really we are experiencing as a nation. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you were doing and calling our country to a spiritual awakening? San Antonio in black, white, and brown is a leadership space, multiracial, multicultural leadership space designed for influences in all the areas of influence in our city, the pillars of influence, education, art, culture, the church, across the board, to come together for two main purposes, learn to trust each other, and then secondly, collaborate both on the value and the implementation of principles that help shape the culture. That's going to happen in the country. That's going to happen. Uh, and we have to take the responsibility to shape how our, our culture is. So we do that on a daily basis here in the city of San Antonio, meeting with different groups of people Monday through Thursday. We pray through all of that on Friday, and we have conferences, one coming up this month, May 18th to the 20th of this month, to get those leaders on the same page and start reading from the same sheet of music so that the body of Christ and and people of goodwill work together to chart the course for the city without waiting on city hall or the business chamber or the, or the social clubs or any, they don't have that responsibility. That responsibility rests with the people of God. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked bear rule, people mourn. That's awesome. Are you seeing a, a good bit of receptiveness to it all? And uh, are, you, are you finding any resistance or people understanding this indeed is the solution that we need to be pursuing? When things get tighter around the pocketbook, uh, people become much more teachable <laughs> as to what is going it's on. amazing how the that co- happens, isn't it? Yes, yes, it <laughs> is. And so, uh, so we're finding out, uh, finding that people are much more receptive. These are at least their their head is uh, perked up now, and they're uh, aware, or at least willing to be made aware of what is shaping the dynamics that are happening around them. Uh, and so, yes, right now in this season, we're finding it uh, easier to do that. But when things are pleasant, you know, so like just like Israel of the Bible. When things are pleasant, they let their morals down and they relax and they go back and serve their own interest until calamity comes. And then, of course, people want to come together and have an answer. But but coming together is coming together, whether it's in calamity or whether it's out of uh, a zeal and a desire to see the kingdom of God, which is our, our passion. We just desire That's to see great. the kingdom of God come. Bishop Flowers, if I can switch gears with you a little bit. I mean, we all, uh, all across the country have been shocked with the tragic shootings that we saw over the weekend and um, 10 days ago in Texas. I mean, it just seems like these last 10 days have been uh, just horrific uh, in Texas. And we're, the, the drumbeat from the left just continues to be blaming guns, and they're going for gun control. Uh, that's to be expected. They do that type of thing after every tragedy like this. Uh, but they blame guns, and they blame Republicans. I played this a little bit earlier, but I'd like to get your reaction to it. Uh, this is uh, Texas State Senator Roland Gutierrez, a Democrat. He was on CNN's State of the Union yesterday, and this is what he had to say. 
it's just a sad state of affairs that we're living in. This is not the Texas miracle that Greg Abbott likes to call it. We're living in a Texas nightmare, and it's a nightmare that they created. It's the chaos that they created. I really would be curious your reaction to that. Uh, it's interesting to who the they are and, and what is the thing that the they have created. Uh, it's policies. You, you cannot legislate righteousness. Right? Policies don't change the heart of a person. But policies do set the environment in which either evil or righteousness flourish. And with respect to the, the right to bear arms, that is the responsibility that you and I have been given, not by men, but by God, to protect that which belongs to us. The gun, you know, the gun itself has never shot anybody. It's, it's in the hand of someone. And the, the, the person who has their hands on that weapon is more, either more or less likely to use it based on what kind of environment, leadership environment, what kind of uh, policed environment is around them. If there's no external restraints, then the internal unrestrained will take advantage of that. If there's no external restraints, the internally unrestrained will take advantage of it and usually target those who are without without any means to protect themselves. Every lost life, of course, is a sad situation in any case, uh, but it's not the possession of guns that do it. And I believe, I believe in responsible uh, gun ownership. You can put the guns in the hands of somebody that you know uh, by, by, you know, basic research that that gun is going to aid them in their already twisted behavior. You don't do that. That doesn't make sense. But at the same time, nor do you, across the board, pull that right and responsibility from everybody else who would rightfully use uh, the weapons uh, to uh, the Second Amendment is not there for hunting. That's the argument that they always put out, that they don't need these high-volume magazines because you don't use those in hunting, but the Second Amendment has nothing to do with hunting. It had everything to do with the right for people to protect their property and their families and the things that they hold dear. Uh, that you're exactly right. And, you know, there's so many, what you bring up, there's so many different directions that uh, that I would love to go here. We're just not going to have time. But uh, these calls for gun control are so loud, as I mentioned, after all tragedies like, like this. But, you know, there's so many other issues that contribute to the problem. It's a reflection of the heart, and that heart is molded Absolutely. by so many outside forces. Why is there not a similar, for example, a similar outcry to restore the family, for example? I mean, we have this outcry to get rid of guns. Why is there no outcry to restore the family, to restore morality? Why this misguided blame for an issue that they're trying to address with a Band-Aid rather than get to the heart of it? Well, the gun control issue is a part of a larger agenda, and that agenda is to disarm the citizens so that another power uh, can come in and massively control the citizenship. A broken family assists that agenda, so they can't tout the strength of a, a, a strengthening family because it count, it is counterproductive to what the end goal is. The end goal, America as it exists, and you know this from your service to this nation, by the way, thank you for it. But, but America cannot fit into the end-time scenario as it presently exists. Uh, 
because it has freedom-loving people who has God at the center of their lives and who want uh, to be have the opportunity, the freedom and the opportunity to hewn out the dream that they desire. That's not what is being echoed in the rest of the world. And so if, mm. if, if we're going to fit, we have to fundamentally change. Someone said that a few election cycles ago, that we have to fundamentally change America, and they're seeking to do that. So, so to disarm the citizens, break down the family is a part of a larger agenda. So they're not going to push one thing over the other because they want both. They want the broken family and they want the citizenry not to have uh, a way to protect themselves. All right, Pastor, we've got less than a minute uh, here. You're a pastor. You're speaking to America. How do you encourage Christians in times of trouble like this? What should be the response of Christians and how do we turn back to God at times like this? Two words are essential, pray and act. Uh, pray, he says in Second Chronicles, that my people will call by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Turning is a prerequisite to the then. He said, then will I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. Secondly, don't let passivity gulf you up like the vicious monster that it is. We have to begin to act and act out our morals in the social environment. Melissa, I want to thank you, uh, Bishop Charles Flowers, for joining us this evening on Washington Watch for your incredible leadership on so many fronts. Uh, we are grateful that you've taken time to join us this evening on Washington Watch. Thank you so much. God bless you. All right, friends, you, you've heard it. We've had a lot to cover this evening and a lot of heartfelt uh, issues. But listen, greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Stand firm. Have a great evening. We'll be back tomorrow with Tony here on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.